10 on the shot clock. Going to try to kick it out. A little handoff. Allen with Iverson on him. Throws one up. And oh! Oh! Oh, Bowens! Unbelievable! Three seconds at midcourt. Jenkins gives it to Jenkins for the championship! Seconds. He'll get a shot off on the way. Got it. He hit it. He hit the shot. Syracuse wins it. Kihei Clark. Beekman for the win. Got it. Minus three with Dave Damashek. All right. Hi and hello, sports fans. Ooh, it's going to be a grand sports weekend. Welcome to Minus 3, presented as always by FanDuel Sportsbook. Tune in all season long, whatever that season is, for exclusive offers and odds boost FanDuel. More ways to win. Welcome to the show. Welcome to the weekend just about. We're so excited for it that we're not even waiting for it to start giving out our best bets. What's up, Kevin Hench? How are you, fella? I'm fantastic. Uh, Spaghetti and I were just uh, singing the praises of uh, Bulletproof Coffee. Not even a sponsor, but uh, we both got our butter coffee churning through our veins. Feeling what good. Shot out of a can. I'm glad butter you two coffee, can come baby. together. I'm glad just you drink two could a come giant together. Cup of butter. Just drink a big cup of butter first thing every morning, and then and then you're you're got your energy for the whole day. Literal butter, mm. like a stick of butter. In you just coffee? put a stick of butter, ghee, clarified butter. butter. Yeah, just put in the blender, mix it around, and then it, it, it's it's one of those Everybody's things where it's very it. polarizing. It's either you love it or you hate it. There's no in between. But it's it has been life changing. But I mean, is that's it, why it, you, it doesn't have any health values, right? It's the opposite. No, it definitely. Of it, no, 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 no. It's yes, it's way healthier. It's way healthier because there's no sugar. Super there's healthy. no like anything Super like that. Healthy. Yeah, if you add Sheck, a little that's like, coconut oil, seem, MCT oil. Sheck, that's why you seem comparatively low-key and low-energy compared to me and spaghetti. I don't want to no be low-key. Like I I no butter I, in your I'm coffee. Glad you, it's insane. I'm glad you two could come together uh, in advance of what figures to be a brutal weekend for your relationship as the blue shirts and uh, bees get ready to tangle as, uh, as the bread man Panarin comes back. Um, to try and get the Rangers back into the mix there in the brutal division. We do have spaghetti and meatballs coming at you, an analysis of sports best division, um, a.k.a. the Patrick division, a.k.a. the Mass Mutual, the East in the NHL. We'll do that at the back end of this podcast, so be on the lookout for that. And also, we encourage you to go back and listen to the earlier minus three from this week. We were joined by the Athletics' Josh Yoey for a breakdown of that division. It was grand stuff, some hot takes on uh, Alex Ovechkin, Tom Wilson, the Bruins, where the Capitals are headed, the Flyers and beyond. But uh, let's talk about all of it. Let's talk about uh, conference tournament action, the upcoming March Madness. You know what? Pro football is never far from our brains, so we'll kibitz about that and some futures. futures. We'll give you our best bets, but just wait a second now. I'm sorry. I have to stop for a second here. You know one of the Shecky Awards I give out every year is Best Condiment. And, um, and, you know, drawn butter, I've said it before. I'm going to say it to you again. Now people go that they spend top dollar. They go to these fancy restaurants. They go to these exotic locales on 
uh, on uh, on coasts and they and they order up lobster. We don't, whatever the price, whatever it is, gotta eat lobster when you get a chance to. I contend, Hench, you're from the New England region, so I hope you don't yeah. take offense to this. I feel that lobster is fine, but the real star is in fact the drawn butter because you can dip lobster into drawn butter and it'll taste good. But you know what tastes good when when, when you dip it into uh, drawn butter? Everything else. I, so now you're at telling me that the drawn butter has an additional power of being that's actually a, a healthier advantage. To, uh, that, that's in, a, in, in well, drawn butter is eat eat fat. Fat is good for you. Um, that that that's no secret. But your point is well taken, which is you would rather have a loaf of wonder bread with drawn butter than a fresh lobster with no butter. <laughs> you, I mean, if somebody, if you were on a you know, deserted island and they were like, all the lobster you want. Oh, great, great, great. No butter. Oh, fuck. Well, then I'll just keep eating coconuts. Who, who cares? Like, like <laughs> butter really is the magic of that, of that taste. And that is my favorite taste in the world. Lobster with drawn butter. But like, Lobster with no butter, hmm, that's that's just a lot of cholesterol without a lot of without a lot of bang for its buck. It really is. If I can try and uh, make a strain metaphor or simile or whatever it is, it is really what a lot of pro football teams are doing right now. It's like, so which is the lobster and which is the drawn butter? All these pro Ooh. football personnel departments right now are trying to decide: is Mac Jones is he the lobster or? Is he the drawn butter of that Alabama offense in 2020? These are the decisions. That works, doesn't it? I think that's pretty good. I think close enough. I mean, sir, I mean, at this point, you know, our our dedicated listeners are saying we'll take any fucking site segue if they start talking about sports. If it's if we get away <laughs> from lobster, Touché. it doesn't All it right. doesn't really matter. Let's begin then. You know what? You're chomping at the bait. You start us off, Hench. Your best bets for the upcoming weekend. Go. All right. Well, oh, and by the way, um, make sure before you start there, Hedge, make sure you're betting them all. FanDuel.com slash minus three, the word minus, the number three. And now, Hedge, hit it. All right. So uh, the the Boston Celtics, uh, my beloved Boston Celtics, are venturing into what Neil deGrasse Tyson is calling the urine section of the swimming pool in America because Texas has lifted all of the COVID restrictions. So yeah, that's going to stay in Texas, right? That 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 urine will just stay right there. No, 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 it won't. Case in point, the Boston Celtics are going into Houston and then presumably leaving. They're not going to stay there for the rest of the season. So they're going to go into the urine section of the swimming pool and then fly around the country. Good luck, America. But in the meantime, the uh, the woeful Rockets are one in nine against the spread in their last 10. They just can't move the, that number up high enough. Marcus Smart coming back for the Celtics. So you know, we're going to find out if, if uh, the Celtics are a contender. I think they're going to start blowing some teams out uh, and they, and they got to blow out teams like the Rockets. So um, that's my, that's my Sunday NBA pick. A um, couple of hockey picks. This is kind of a weird, this is a weird one. You'll get a nice return on it. But uh, as you know, Sheck, Penguins five and seven in the second game of of uh, these these bizarro two games. So I don't know what they're doing in these cities in between winning the first game. I don't I don't know if they're go, if they're going out, if they're breaking protocol, but they're 5 and 7 in the second game. 
So with a, with a nice return, Sabres money line this weekend in the second game of the, the Penn Sabres matchup. Uh, that'll get you a nice Ooh, return, uh, even with yes. Eichel out. That, that Eichel out might help the Sabres. Who knows? Um, and, and then, uh, you know, my, my weekend pick for the Bees, uh, two for two so far on the, on the minus three. Uh, Bruins have given up one goal in each of the last five games and managed to lose one outright and lose two in shootouts. Uh, it, it can't go on. They have to start to score. So I take the Bruins in the second game against the Rangers, uh, even if the bread man's back. Hey, maybe the bread man will be on the Bruins. Maybe that'll be a, a deadline acquisition to help some line other than the perfection line score. But I, I like the Bruins uh, in the second game against the Rangers this weekend. Uh, and I'm two for two on my bees pick so far. Well, if your um, if your bread man doesn't absorb all the drawn butter, maybe I'll prescribe mm. some of that for the Penguins coffee cups on uh, on Saturday, so that they can uh, they can get the boost that they need to to play better in the uh, in the second game of that head to head against the Buffalo Sabers. I'm going to go red, white, and blue here. Friday night, the Sixers. The Wizards, it's in our nation's capital, and be back. Simmons not back, though. That means I'm going to take the Wiz and the points. The Sixers are playing on Thursday night. Like I say, no Simmons. This should equal big nights. He's a great defender. This should equal big nights for Beal and Westbrook. Pick your uh, pick your favorite um, member of the backcourt there. I, I submit that Beal will have a big night and go over his season total there. I like that one quite a bit. And actually, I'm going to go against you here. I know this sounds fairly obvious to uh, embrace Sidney Crosby against the woeful Buffalo Sabres, but do bet for him. He's on the cusp of a big breakout. He really is. And by his standard, he's, I mean, by most human being standards, he's already been playing very well. The goal total just now starting to round into shape. He got an empty netter the other night. I think he gets one. It's a good safe bet. Um, down the middle for you, 87 for a goal on Saturday. I think he's about to take off. Bet him if you if you uh, if you want to roll the dice a little bit. Bet him for multiple goals on Saturday against those aforementioned woeful Buffalo Sabers. Eddie Spaghetti, how say you? I want to stick with the Rangers and Bruins, kind of like Hench was mentioning. Uh, you know, even if the Rangers don't win this game, uh, I think that the fact that it's one and a half is a good thing. The goal differential is only one. Uh, the Rangers are one and three versus Boston, but they kept it really, really close. And I think the guys are fired up. There's been a million quotes about how they feel about Panarin returning. Even if he does not play, I know he's practicing. He may not play. Quinn said that he has to get his body right. But the guys are fired up knowing that their best player is coming back. And I think they're going to love that. Um, I do like the Knicks. Tonight, uh, we're recording this on Thursday later today uh, versus the Bucks. The Knicks beat the Bucks already once this season. They're getting 10.5 right now on fanduelcom slash minus three. They're a probable playoff team. When you see double digits like that, you got to think they're going to keep it close. Giannis did play 20 minutes around that in the All-Star game, so maybe he's a little bit worn out, didn't really rest as much as other uh, players did. Derek Rose being out for the Knicks, too, I think actually may be a good thing. Uh, more time for quickly to play, which, you know, he's been uh, the ultimate surprise for the Knicks this past season, really besides Julius Randle. So you want to see him on the court more. And the easiest bet to make this weekend, I'm, uh, it's it's the Brooklyn Nets and Detroit Pistons. He's going to have the Blake Griffin revenge game they're just they're going to destroy them no matter what the line is going to be at that point the Pistons are not good at all and the Nets you know they're right now they're trying to claim the title as the best team in the Eastern Conference of the NBA I think they're going to house the Pistons I like you know what so you, you brought up that Nick 
Go ahead, Hench. I was going to say, so so the Rangers, bless their hearts, are 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 backing Panarin and, and his support of Navalny, uh, unlike Johnny Damon, uh, <laughs> who's pro, clearly pro Putin. He he's he's coming down on the, in the on the Vladimir Putin side of this. He's a strong he's a strong man. He's a strong man. Uh, great great to see Johnny Damon weighing in with his political analysis as, <laughs> as he, as he almost shits himself on the side of the road at a, a point three, I, I got to say, okay, we've all seen crazy stats. We've all seen crazy stats in, in all of the sports we love so much, but I have never seen, this has got to be the first time in baseball history that a guy's blood alcohol level was higher than his career batting average. Johnny Damon hit 284 <laughs> in his career, 0.284. He blew a 0. 0.30 two hours after he was pulled over. Uh, hey, hey, <laughs> the, the, appropriate, the, 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 the nickname JD applies because he, he must have had 14 Jack Daniels. I don't know how you, how do you, uh, how do you get to the car at a 0. 0.30, um, but of course – Johnny Damon feeling like he'd been profiled as a Trump supporter, uh, mm. that, that he'd been pulled over wrongly. Um, how about an apology, Johnny? You, you, you I like you, when piece. I like I like when guys um, when they try to um, pull themselves together in front of Johnny Law on those kind of things. He's I mean he's blatantly just 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 loaded, you know, just just completely uh, crooked, and and he's like. We're, we're, what are we doing here? What, what what are we even doing here? What are we even doing here? Who who had the who had the uh, who had the best week? Hench, rank these guys for me. Johnny D, D. By the way, you as a Red Sox guy, does this now? Do you feel happy he went to the Yankees? Does this no. now? Does it, I do not claim no. him. Stop that right there. Do not claim him. He's totally Hench's problem. He's a Red Sox, not a Yankee. Please. I mean, look, I mean, you know, know. Th- those the the two home runs, the two home runs in Game Seven against the Yankees. You can never, you can never take that away from us. But this is the, this is more the Yankee Johnny Damon. This behavior, no, no, this, this is, is just behavior he learned. Red Sox stuff. Behavior he learned in the Bronx. Vehemently <laughs> disagree. News. He belongs. He belongs to the both of you. Congratulations. Who had the Who had the best week? The Queen. Woody Allen, Johnny Damon, or Myers Leonard Hench? Oof. Who do you oof, think? Rough, <laughs> rough week for a lot of people. I really don't understand. Like you know, I mean, I, I know I was I was lucky. I, I was I was raised in a very multicultural environment, and it just never I just never got the the knee jerk poison of just shouting racial epithets when I stubbed my toe. Like, I just, I never, like, I like the thing of like something, something bad happens to you and you just, you just scream a racial epithet. So, you know, I mean, Myers Leonard, uh, not a great week. You know, he's, he's, he had a, a kind of understandable, fairly tortured explanation of why he didn't kneel with his teammates in the Black Lives Matter moments. Um, you know, I kind of like cut him some slack, even though his brothers, you know, in the service. And it was kind of a, uh, a little bit of a Tucker Carlson, Sean Hannity support the troops, Drew Brees thing, which we've kind of like said, yeah, that's, that's not what it's about. So he's going in on kind of thin ice, but I, I, I'm, you know, I'm still, 
I, I'm still kind of in the slack cutting mood for these bad moments in the heat of the moment. You know, like I don't, it, it, it's, it, it would surprise me if he's an anti-semi, I guess, but I'm going to go off the board of that hall of losers you threw up there and say, Prince Charles, way bigger piece of shit than the queen. What the fuck is wrong oh. with this guy? That's your, that's your son. That's your son, you fucking piece of shit. By the way, Prince Charles, um, Catherine Hepburn brought Sidney Poitier home in 1967. What the fuck? What the fuck? How, how permanently racist is your brain that you cannot embrace your own son in, you know, through this and, and be a stand-up guy and be a good father. I mean, look, first of all, I was bummed that I had to watch the whole interview because my old lady was like, of course we're going to watch it. It's like, it's all embarrassing. Everyone's infatuation with these fucking people is embarrassing. Like it's, you know, I agree with that. You know, you, you, we should be watching a, a, a crappy conference tournament game. Not this stupid. If you, anyway, right. but, this uh, is like this is like instead of watching pro football, you're you you eschew all other sports just to watch WWE. It's it's <laughs> fake. Yeah. It's fake government. What are we What are we doing with this sort of thing? And and who you know now you make me think maybe the biggest loser of the week is uh, is the cinephile. You love good movies, so do I. Who's the bigger loser, Prince Terry, who no longer probably rightly ever sees his father again or has a happy mom with him or us who never gets to watch a Woody Allen movie again. I think we're the loser in that exchange, right? right? Oh. I mean, like we can't, we can't, we can't morally embrace Woody Allen movies anymore. How can we sit and watch Manhattan and, and, uh, and, and not have his ulterior um, worldview batting through our heads the whole time. Okay. All right. Well, I guess this, I guess if you're going to insist on talking about Woody Allen, we should, uh, we should just prepare, this is the farewell minus three podcast. Would you just say this is when this is when uh, Hench and Check and Spaghetti say goodbye to their dedicated listeners? Um, the this fucking revisionist history that the New York Times is doing every day, by the way, every single critic, every person who's ever said anything good about Manhattan is now writing a column to say like, um, um, uh, uh, I don't know how I didn't see how terrible that movie was. Um, uh, that like, I, I rescind my 400 great reviews of that movie. It's like, no, no, you're on the record. You're on the record. You, you enjoyed that movie. That's, you know, that's okay. That, you know, that was then, this is now, but, uh, you know, that the, the fucking covering, um, of, I, I didn't really like Annie Hall. I, I mean, I, 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 you know, it's just fucking pathetic. Like, yeah, you went to the movies, you enjoyed it. Uh, it's okay. You know, times change. You don't, you don't have to change history and say like, uh, now that I think about it, those are bad movies. Now that I think about it, Picasso sucked. Like it's, uh, you know, I don't know. I didn't we say, go, we, I didn't we say can go that. In, I said, how are you propping this? <laughs> You're dropping the laser disc in to to watch to watch Manhattan going forward, or Hannah and her sisters. Also, Woody Allen, um, quite Semitic. Um, I think we can all agree. Uh, Myers Leonard's remark, the most anti-Semitic remark uh, in the history of people who have a Semitic-sounding name. You know, I, I think that I think he's the clear champion there, and I don't think there's a close second to that one. Hey, let me ask you this, because I, I, I was thinking about this line that um, 
and I, th- I think I, I know how I fucked it up. But uh, one of my favorite jokes I ever wrote on Last Man Standing got cut. They wouldn't let us do this joke. Uh, the the Butch daughter, uh, played by the the I, I mean Butch in the show, she's not Butch in real life, but the uh, Caitlin Deaver, the unbelievable award winning actress, uh, plays the the youngest daughter on Last Man Standing. And early, early in the run of the show, she comes home after having gotten in a fight with a guy. And um, she says, you know, Tim Allen's trying to figure out what what happened. And she says, he called me a name that rhymes with bike. And and I wrote the joke. Tim Allen says. We're not even Jewish. Mm -hmm. And and so and so they said, no, no, go, no, go. You, and I'm like, no, 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 we're not saying anything. He's thinking, he's just wrong. He's just wrong. And I realized um, we, I probably could have gotten that thinker into the show if he had said, that's terrible and we're not even Jewish. It, he was too neutral. Like, he, he should have been, you see, <laughs> right? right. I, I probably could have got it through. Um, but uh, but as it died on the cutting room floor, unfortunately, there's nothing better than when like I didn't do anything wrong. I, I'm just bringing up the subject that that person did something wrong. And then somehow you're cast as, uh, uh, you know, because you have. No, uh, I wasn't talking about you. I'm talking about all these people, that, you know, everybody at The New York Times just falling all over yes, themselves no, I hear to pretend to pretend like they didn't like it's. Were you going to watch Manhattan today? What are the odds? Like, it's like you watched it when it came out. You loved it. At least, so it live with it, you know? And it's like, yeah, yes. Um, it's, it's okay for um, societies to, you know, birth of a nation was fucking terrible. Like people liked it at the time because they are racist. Like, so, you know, people change and that's okay. But, but this idea that, that you have to go back and say Manhattan was a bad movie. Um, I don't know. And I mean, like, and then it just gets into the whole, it gets into the whole thing about, uh, uh, oh, fuck it. We can't talk about this. This is, this is just, it's, it's too brutal. It's too brutal. All right. I find Moses, I find Moses Moses Pharaoh very credible and I find Ronan Pharaoh very credible. I don't find either of the, the parents credible at all. I think Woody's a monster and I think Mia's nuts. So that's, those are not good witnesses. But I find Ronan Farrow, I thought his book was incredible. And I think Moses Farrow's blog post was was very compelling. And they're saying two different things. So if you're sitting on that jury, what do you do? You go, I don't know. You just and nobody well, can say I don't know. I mean, the most important thing is that Woody Allen's a big Knickerbockers fan. So this is a great week for New York sports fans, spaghetti. You got Johnny Damon. And Woody Allen. So maybe the biggest loser of the week is uh, the New York sports fan. Congratulations Please. to you. What? Please don't go there. I, I, for number one, I've never watched a Woody Allen movie because I, I grew up knowing that he was, I mean, his relationship with the step, like the adopted daughter was too weird for me. And number two, Damon, I never bought a single piece of Damon merchandise. He's not a, he's not a Yankee. So I'm going to, I'm going to politely reject that. (laughs) You you know who else I'm confident has never seen a Woody Allen movie? Johnny Damon. That would be, (laughs) that would be wild. That would be wild. Or probably more Myers Leonard. You're walking out of the theater. You're like, I don't know. A deconstructing Harry was okay. It's not. It's not Pantheon Woody Allen. You're like, hey, it's Johnny Damon. 
Holy shit, it's Johnny Depp. <laughs> who, I, who oddly, oddly, un, little known fact, worse arm than Woody Allen. Woody <laughs> Allen could reach the fucking cutoff man. Johnny Damon, here's the deal, Johnny. You, you either throw a one hopper to the plate or you throw it all the way to the cutoff man. The one hopper to the cutoff man is not going to get done. How are you in the major leagues? Like, sometimes I'd watch Johnny Damon throw and go, he might be right-handed. Like, he does, does he, is he throwing what arm? He might be throwing with the wrong arm. <laughs> Got to hit the cutoff man, Diane Weist. She was dynamite in hand in her suit. Now, um, she won the Oscar. So yeah, she has to Julia- give that back. She has to give that back. That's right. Julian Edelman spoke up about this and he said, let's uh, let's kibitz. We'll have a Seder or whatever he said, or we'll celebrate this. I forget exactly what he said. I also I just don't like the letting him off the hook with like, well, obviously you didn't mean it was it it, it was uh, owed to ignorance. You didn't mean it pejoratively or whatever. He said, like, well, yeah, you did. Why would you say that if you didn't mean it that way? You may not know what the, the meaning is. I, I I find that uh, an interesting thing. But anyway, good for Edelman. Good for the Patriots uh, having a decent quick, guy. Trying a to quick update out. with Leonard. He, he was he was fined 50 grand just now. Um, and he's been suspended from all heat uh, activities. And he's not allowed to come to the facility for a week. And the NBA is requiring him to participate in a cultural diversity program <laughs> i love i mean sorry to be a cynic about progress but i love i love when people have to study they have to learn like like papa john like i've, I've been doing the work it's hard work <laughs> for the last two years to get over my racism what? he's gonna be a, a talmudic scholar by for the, whose by benefit the is this? I mean, I, uh, the, uh, anyway. And please uh, refer right, to him talk. by his his rightful name, future Hall of Fame receiver Julian Edelman. That's his rightful <laughs> name. Show some respect. Uh, a couple <laughs> futures I want to talk about, and we're in the we're we're talking knickerbockers and otherwise. Is this hench in the last thirty plus years the single most compelling and maybe um, collectively? Uh, nicest group of teams that the East has had. Uh, I mean, really since the Pistons and Celts were, were banging heads at the back end of the eighties, I feel like there are a number of teams that can emerge from the East and, um, and expect to win the title, no matter who comes out of the West, or at least have a, have a decent shot at it. Since, since they usually have been the sacrificial lamb for whoever comes out of the West. I think it feels very different now. There are a lot of good teams now in the East. Well, what's crazy about the, the East. And I think really the whole NBA right now is it's like, I feel like the entire season is, is going to come down to like a series of magnetic resonance imaging exams of Kevin Durant's leg. Like if, if Durant is fine, if he's just fine and plays every game in the playoffs, they're winning the championship. They're, 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 they, Hmm. you know, I, I was spectacularly wrong about this experiment in Brooklyn. And I realized why I was so wrong about it. Um, you know, and it's funny you mentioned those those Pistons, uh, those awful, awful Pistons who ruined ruined basketball in the in the late '80s. And you know, I did a podcast with John Sally, and I would say it to his face, well, to his navel. I would say it to his navel 
because that's where I came came up to him on. But but you know the bad boys were bad for basketball. They're like, yeah, you went up for a light layup, we'd low bridge you and try to end your career. Yeah, that's terrible. That's <laughs> awful. nobody wants to watch that. Um, you know, but I've, so, the only that they're they're only second in the history of our lives of worst championships, most damaging uh, teams oh. to their sport, the mid nineties devils with the trap. I thank oh, goodness that the sport very gods, similar, very similar. Like it we, really did it. we ruined our sport. We ruined our sport. We found a glitch in the way right. our sport is played and we ruined it for everyone, but we won the championship. So, so the, as I was thinking about this, this, the, the Eastern conference and the nets, the, it used to be like, you're like, well, they don't defend. They don't defend in the half court. Like, you know, that there's just was like a softness that you're like, that team's never going to win the championship. But the way the game has changed so much, it's now down to, you know, there are so many possessions in an NBA game. And it's like, who can create um, a higher level of shot on each possession? And it's like, when those three guys are all playing for the Nets, they're getting a decent shot every time. Like there's, oh my God, there's three seconds on the shot clock and Harden's trapped. It's like, they're still going to get a good shot. It's nuts. It's nuts. They, they, they can all beat their man off the dribble. They can all create for themselves. They can all create for others. So, so I think it's not that interesting in the East if, if Durant, Harden, and Irving are healthy. Um, so the interest to me is more. It's an interesting. Uh, no, I, I I hear you. So you like them right now? They're uh, at plus one thirty to win it. They're the favorite. The Bucks at uh, plus two eighty. Sixers plus five hundred. Your Celts are there at plus twelve hundred. Um, and then uh, the Raptors at last check were the in the eight seed. They're plus sixteen hundred. That's kind of uh, my point about where this. I mean, you know, they won the title. I know with uh, Kawhi, but that was just a couple of years ago. And their slot is the eight seed. It seems to me, anecdotally, like whoever was in the seven and eight hole in the uh, on the East was just some garbage team that would finish right. uh, in dead last in the West. And the Knickerbockers in there are plus uh, 6,500. Obviously they're not going to um, survive the East to, to play the Lakers or jazz or clips or whoever comes out of that side. Um, but I, I, I think Blake Griffin too, I get that this is not going to be prime Blake Griffin, but to your point, given the, you know, the, the NBA at large is a perimeter game now. And specifically that's how these nets are constructed. I do kind of think Blake Griffin can have some impact when he's in there. I don't know how many minutes he's going to get, what, 20, 25 a game maybe. But I think his ability to work the offensive glass, that's, that's exactly what you want with a perimeter team. The way well, the Nets are constructed. I guess you're right. I guess you're right. As long, if KD is ready like when, and ready. Uh, Blake Griffin is a lot like when the Yankees would go, hey, we're going to go get that team's ace and slide him in as our number four starter. You're like, yeah, he's not a great ace, of course, but now he's That's the right. number four starter on the Yankees. And so Blake Griffin, you know, you you, you forget about him. He's an afterthought, but there are going to be possessions where it's like, oh, yeah, that guy can can still drop step and dunk occasionally. Like he doesn't have to score twenty, but you know if he gets twelve and seven, 
in 20 minutes. Like, yeah. So, but, but thinking about those 80s. Well, it's, the Gron- it's the Gronk effect. It's a, you know, like, it's not, it's not Gronk from, uh, from 2016 though, everybody. He's, I mean, he's, oh, he was retired a couple of, well, he doesn't have to be that Gronk anymore. I think you see that he still is talented enough to make an impact on, uh, in the postseason. That's, that, that's a, a great comparison there. Uh, when spaghetti first of all spaghetti just watch take the money and run and bananas start you don't have to get into the heavy controversial stuff with woody <laughs> just the fucking jokes they're just jokes take the money and run bananas love and death sleeper read his essays those are hysterical just too his essays stuff. are the like greatest that, yeah so then when Sheck and i talk about the the pistons ruining the 1980s nba this is going to be as foreign to you as uh, Woody Allen's interiors. But uh, it occurred to me on my walk around the neighborhood, uh, as I was walking around the neighborhood, speaking of crimes and misdemeanors, how about those fucking pistons of the 80s? Those were felonies, those sons of bitches. They, they should have been charged with attempted murder in the NBA. But, uh, but you was, know what? So sad. But, yeah, but you know what? Just like the brothers, they got away with it. You see? You know, that it's the same thing. The uh, Now history looks back it's on it. Got and, away with and it. And they still of, count those yeah. titles. So I was yeah. walking around the I neighborhood. Tell you, you, know, you know, Zeke was sitting around. That's a, he had a guilty conscience when he was saying all those dumb things a decade ago. That was the guilty conscience speaking. Now he's sitting back in his chair realizing, you know what? Now, now uh, history kind of smiles on us. I survived. Well, we, we did a bad thing. We did a bad thing. We did a bad thing. Uh, <laughs> I had this thought that, you know, because – of course, you imagine imagine being a huge Celtics fan coming off the 86 championship and landing Len Bias. So you're the best team in the NBA. You have the best player in college basketball coming in. Len Bias is going to learn at the knee of Larry Bird, and this fucking dream is going to go on for another 10 or 12 years. Like, it was, you know, uh, excuse the phrase, it, I, it was the highest high for me. Sadly, it was the highest high for Len, too, the same night. And so I was thinking, Jesus Christ, if fucking Len Bias had lived. Jesus Christ, indeed. We, we never would have another, another early death. Jesus Christ, another wrongful early death. <laughs> yeah, don't do drugs, kids. Um, the, I don't think that Len Bias had anything to do with Jesus of Nazareth. I, I'm an Old Testament guy, but I'm pretty sure you don't have all your facts lined up there. But was, I, I guess was, I don't know. I wasn't there. I wasn't there. He was Jesus wired to the gills. Jesus had been railing. Nobody knows. It's unwritten. <laughs> but so listen. So listen. Um if Len Bias doesn't die, it saves us from that entire bad boy. We don't there's oh, yeah. no one it goes straight from the Celtics to the Bulls. It goes straight from Len Bias's and Larry Bird's Celtics to Michael Jordan's Bulls without that awful, awful Detroit. Hey guys, we won 84 to 78. What a great game. That was, you know, I mean, the NBA has actually gone, I I think a little too far the other way now. It's like, there is a happy medium where, where the, the scores aren't ridiculous, but, uh, but the Pistons, that was the lowest of the low. So, so yes, I would say I'm more interested in in this Eastern Conference and this brand of basketball than that late 80s garbage. And I mean, Pat Pat Riley, not blameless either, because the the Knicks and Pistons combined to go like, hey, 
if if you're off the ball, just punch the guy in the face. They're not going to call anything. Just kick him in the nuts. Who cares? But it was true. I don't think we talk nearly enough, even though we've seen it a million times, that a pro basketball coach ran out onto the floor and latched himself onto the leg of a six foot ten human being like one of those toy koala thing clips thing. That was uh, that was a grand moment. And uh, yes, also the low point in the NBA. I I mean, I'll stick with the Devils. Think about you had. Um, you had uh, the Rangers coming off the cup in 94 and those high-end Penguins teams with Lemieux and Yager and uh, the the Avs were coming together out there in Colorado and then the Devils just had to pee on the whole thing. That was terrible. Um, what about so so let's so let's settle then. Spaghetti, who is your Eastern Conference team? Who are you putting your loot on there? I mean, I'm, it's it's hard to pick against the Nets just because of the star power and, you, and theoretically a, a team with just Kyrie, a team with just James Harden, or I guess a healthy Durant should be able to carry a team pretty far alone. And the fact that they're all together is in, it's totally insane. I think the Celtics actually will finish the season stronger than they uh, are looking right now. And I know Hench, I believe, do you have the Sixers? Or do you, I think you have Embiid in our, on our futures draft, but I would not be talking. There's a, a push for them as well, but ultimately I think I'm still going to have to uh, ride with the, uh, the Nets. I just, I don't trust the Bucks uh, as a contender. I actually think that the Sixers will uh, would, would beat the Bucks in a series. I want to Keep take the Sixers on. very badly, but yes, I, I have Keep to take the Nets, the, although I. Keep an eye on Durant's um, doctor's FanDuel account because he'll know, he knows, he'll know first. <laughs> when, when, when Durant's orthopedic surgeon comes in big on the Sixers, we all have to flee our, our Nets our nets back because uh it is uh it's really all about that guys like first of all pre-hamstring like it's like is the achilles gonna go the distance now i think the nets are are being smart right they're going like yeah i don't think the hamstring's ready to go why have this guy play more than five games the rest of the season like he's got one purpose dominate the playoffs so keep him as fresh as possible um keep that achilles as few miles on it as possible and uh, and then if he go if he goes the distance, that's no one's beating that team. You know, we also left out of uh, worst week, Coach K, the first time out of the tournament, and then it's punctuated on the year anniversary, no less, of Hanks and Gobert. I don't remember if that was the same actual calendar date, but it was March 11th that Hanks. Uh, positive test with COVID was made public. And I can't remember if Gobert happened before or after, but either way, this is right when everything shut down. I find this a little too on the nose from Coach K to be honoring that uh, one-year anniversary. How say you, Hench? Duke, shutting it down for the year. What does this mean to college basketball? I uh, I have family. I have hardcore Duke family. Uh, and it's I I don't know how you broke down, but like when we were growing up, you know, you just you 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 know Charles White at, at USC was playing UCLA, you know you, Marcus Allen. You just kind of developed these rooting interests. Like as a kid, you're like I like the Trojans uniforms, so I'm going to root for Marcus Allen. Uh, and then you and then you move to LA years later, and you're like, oh yeah, you you should have been rooting for UCLA. This. USC's there. That's, that's not, that's a bad place. That's bad. So as a kid, because UNC was, I always go, I always try, you know, try to lean generally for the, the underdog. 
um, if there is one. And so it was it was right when when Mark Allery and and, and uh, Tommy Amaker were, you know, it was Duke was just closing the gap with UNC. And it's like, oh, I like these plucky upstarts. I like I'm going to do King in there and their muscle bound power forward named Jay Billis. So so I so I just I just rooted, I just started rooting for Duke against NC. And I thought I was rooting for the little guy against Goliath. And then, you know, you grow up and you learn like, oh, Dean Smith was a fantastic human being. And uh, Coach K, maybe not so much, maybe not as good a human being as uh, as Dean Smith and uh, Coach K banging those American Express commercials. Coach K, you know, we're going to we're going to have a sneaker deal. Coach K is going to make it rain, you know, on Coach K, not not on any of you guys doing the labor. Coach K, so you know, I, I mean, I've spent a lot of years rooting for Duke, but um, their uh, their misfortune uh, is is fine by me. I guess, but I will say, for real, Duke has now become among the blue bloods. They're the most hateable of that group. <laughs> Kentucky being being middling, that's not good long term for basketball. But Duke. And they're Notre Dame of uh, of basketball. You need somebody to hate. Obviously, that's a, you're you're a, a storyteller, hence you need the tension of someone loathsome to 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 create the stakes that we need there. I think it's bad. What I do like is it's it's starting to look like Patrick Ewing maybe is going to turn around that Georgetown team, and that's a, a forgotten brand in college basketball. I hope that that uh, they can resurrect in memory of uh, John Thompson. Um, I hope that the, the Georgetown gets good again, because I do think that in our lifetime, I mean, the, you, you mentioned Len Bias in the ACC, ACC in the mid to late 80s, Big Ten in the early 90s, I think I would uh, somewhere in that range, Big East in the mid aughts. And I still think the Big East of the 80s is the greatest um, stretch it, for one conference oh in college God. basketball history. When those Georgetown teams and St. John's and the Cuse and Nova and Pitt and Seton Hall and even the bad teams had good players. Cliff, uh, Cliff Robinson was on UConn and they were a bum team, but they had Cliff Robinson on their team at least. That was something. It was, it, that's, those were the glory days. Never to be repeated, you know, and that's actually, you know, as we, you know, if we want to shift into a little punch up of the tournament, um, you know, Guys played four years. You know, you had a chance to develop an affinity, not just for your local team, but for the guys who played for that team. You know, you got your Jerome Lane uh, sig up on your on your screen there. But like, you know, and now it's like, hey, we got we got this guy. We got the number one high school player in the country. We get to root for him for four months. Like it's it's just sad, you know, that that the one and done. And I, that's and, exactly and I what it, it comes. That was a big switch for Coach K, and he seemed to kind of after some some bad early returns with Elton Brand and who was the guard Daniel? What was the kid's name who went early? And that was the guy who Coach K was like, "This is a big mistake for you to do," and he was right about him. What was the kid? Will name Avery? I think he went. Will Avery? Will, Will Avery. Avery? Yeah, who went right? Went to Minnesota, if I remember the the team. He went in that crazy four four Blue Devils in the first round. But you're exactly right. Those four years were, at, were were more than enough time for you to really latch on to a couple of players and an air of a good team. Were you a big BC Michael Adams guy? I mean, everybody of course, had somebody of course, back in the of 80s. Of course, yeah. of course, you know. And I mean, but like, 
you know, I mean, Chris Mullen, Walter Berry, Mark Jackson, the, you know, the St. John's teams, like you just, you know, these guys were on your TV. And, you know, it was, it was just, it was amazing. Leo Rotten's at uh, Syracuse. It was oh, amazing yeah. times. Uh, it really was. He, uh, it really was heaven. I remember watching. Spaghetti was doesn't know. Spaghetti will never know. Spaghetti. You should never dig know. up those games. Anybody should with uh, Len Berman um, on the call and uh, and the kiss. That's when you first uh, when you first learned about Raftery before the rest of the country did. Um, and yeah, I remember in Fitzgerald Fieldhouse that there was a, a guy so white that you could see through him wearing a T-shirt underneath his basketball jersey in the red St. John's, just knocking them down one after the other from the baseline with his with with the left mitt and saying, "Lefty, like hell you, is that like guy? you, left right." Was my inspiration. Hey, so he uh, served it. Speaking yes. of the glory days, because there, you know, and I know I was a little hard on Coach K because he's not a good person, but um, <laughs> what happened to Jim Beheim? What happened? Well, he was, to I, Jim I talked Beheim? about this with Sal on X. I talked about this with the, with him on wow. Extra Points wow. yesterday. He's always what what, to... what 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 are we surprised? He's a douchebag. He's always been that way. He's always been yeah, that he. Way. He he used to have a sense of humor. Like he wasn't a complete asshole every time he leaned into the But he was condescending. His his sense of humor pivoted. He was a less charismatic Bob Knight. He he was condescending to the media, and that was where the comedy came from. It wasn't that funny. (laughs) I don't know. I thought I felt like he could crack a smile. I thought he I don't know. He just became uh, this guy, this guy is unbearable. He's making fun of the height of the reporter. Yeah, that's why I'm a fucking reporter. Yeah, that's like, what, what, that's how it works, dipshit. I'll also say because uh, that was uh, what a week or two ago now. Uh, what did you make of Dan Dockich and really a lot of the college basketball wonks stepping up, old white men disparaging um, who was it, Jalen Johnson from Duke for for quitting on his team three weeks out? Like these these are the rules. He quit on it. Like. They're your rules, old man. They're not his rules. He, he, he's required to abide by them. <laughs> he, well, you know, it's let better. me check. You know how I I'm feel I'm with you completely. The, uh... I, I wish guys would stay for four years for our pleasure. I also understand as a human being that that's not why he went to college. He didn't go to Duke uh, to get an engineering degree. He did it to create the best spot for himself to make a ton of loot in the NBA, and he saw a quick path to it that that's that's fine by me i know it's not good for the sport of college basketball but you know some things transcend that how say you what were you gonna say i totally agree i mean you and i see eye to eye on this on this uh issue of like hey um hey free labor hey free labor where are you going you're supposed to be here doing the free labor to make all these fucking guys rich coach k has an american express commercial to shoot what what you can't leave what what about that room and board we hooked you up with like fuck the best you. the best fuck my you. favorite thing is my favorite thing is when they do the thing like that you can tell that they're trying to wish it into being the truth is it's the same thing when christian mccaffrey doesn't play in the bowl game or otherwise uh, they, they, they always say the analysts will say like gotta wonder if this is going to impact the, the the kid at draft time if, if teams are going to hold it against it spoiler alert they're not going to hold it against it might not take him now he may maybe yeah. doesn't love the game they're, enough they, yeah I think they like fun. they like that he doesn't have those stupid miles on his tires 
They, they'd like, yes, exactly. the Panthers yeah. would like for him to take those hits for the Panthers, not for Stanford. That's a waste, a waste of energy. Um, so, I mean, under any circumstances, these, these kids are being exploited, but you know, in this crazy year where it's like, okay, you know what, maybe you won't have, your lungs won't be scarred. Maybe you won't have myocarditis in your heart, but Hey, I don't want to have the flu for two weeks either. I'm, I'm going to go make money as a professional basketball player. Like I don't, this, the upside is all for us. It's all for, it's all not for the kids. So, you know, if you're going to go to college for four years, great, have that experience. But if you're, if you're planning on uh, getting a vocation right quick, uh, I, I'm, I'm all for, by the way, the whole world is zooming into work. But these kids have to go physically go to work for, for the man so the man can make money. I, at least Dan Dockich. Uh, yes, Dan Dockich is, I mean, I, I feel has exposed himself a number of times, figuratively, if not literally, although I don't know about the latter. Um, at least he says that these kids are all getting paid. I, but he does. He also, I think, is I don't know if his title was specifically academic advisor or consultant or whatever at, when he was an assistant coach to Bob Knight in Indiana University. And people used to hail Coach Knight. He does it the right way. His co his kids go to class or they don't play. Meantime, I'm watching this. I'm I'm listening to these uh, to the genuflection to Coach Knight doing it the right way amidst all these uh, early departures from kids from uh, other powerhouse programs. And I'm sitting in classrooms that when the semester started included some Indiana Hoosiers basketball players and about three weeks in, you never saw them again the rest of the semester. Even after basketball season had ended, you still wouldn't see him show up at class and everybody <clears throat> is hailing him. And that was Dan Dockage's assignment to make sure that the kids were going to their class. So I don't know how serious. Now, I'm just, I don't know how old you are, Sheck, but I'm going to guess that was Bobby Wilkerson. Wow. Great guess. Yes. Not Ken Benson. It <laughs> wasn't uh, Ken Benson with the 38-year-old uh, man's uh, blonde mustache on a 20-year-old form. Um, all right. Let's do our weekly punch-up segment here. Hench, the comedy writer, is familiar with punching up scripts. Now he punches up the world of sports for us. Start us off. Let's do March Madness edition of it here, Hench. How would well, you make the is, tournament is, you know, I, I mean, you know, you and I – uh, th those eighties, those eighties final fours, those just, you know, March madness, my favorite sporting event, you know, just as a self-contained event. Wow. Um, I just, it's, it's, it's magical. Um, all that free labor, making money for other people. It's just beautiful. Um, but the, the, the thing that needs to be done, it, it, you know, I think we all agree that the worst thing in sports is the officiating. It's like, you just don't want it to affect the outcome. Right. You know, it's, I mean, even that Super Bowl. I know it was a blowout, but Oh my God, you, you could go back to three of those calls and go, maybe not a blowout. If, if we, if that pick stands on the roughing, you know, and the, and the guys, you know, lines up off sides and you don't go, Hey, back it up. Number 20, like that, that was crazy. But the problem in college basketball, and it's going to have get ready, gamblers, when you bet on on your team in this tournament. The touch fouls, when they're when you have five fouls, the touch foul, the two touch fouls in the first eight minutes that sends your guy 
that sends Cade Cunningham to the bench for the remaining 12 minutes of the first half is a disaster. The, the, the officiating is so inconsistent as to what a foul is. So what you need to do is you need to mitigate against the mistakes. You have to add the sixth foul. You have to, I mean, first of all, you have to have a little bit of let him play for sure. But, you know, so, so th- this thing where you're like, oh my God, the fans are not going to get to watch that guy play for the remaining 12 minutes of the first half. It's just terrible. And then this, the, the technical foul, it, you know, you, sh- you got to have a long leash anyway. But when they, when they made that a personal foul, like it, it's just, it's brutal. You want the officials to have as little to do with the outcome as possible. And sadly in college basketball, they dictate it from the opening tap. Is this going to, is this going to be a game where the guys you want to watch play 37 minutes or 24 minutes? So my punch up would be the six foul. It's weird. Cause remember when the big East added the six foul and it, it, and it struck me in the moment as being the exact wrong move, it was going to encourage more rugged play from the Big East teams. Growing up in the Big East and rooting for one of those teams, when they would go into the in, into the tournament at large, that was always a point of discussion. How philosophically are the referees going to treat the Big East versus the rest of the nation? Because they were playing because of Hoya paranoia and how that uh, how that impacted the rest of the conference. All teams started to play more physically in the Big East, and then it was really how are the refs going to call this? Some of these refs have not play have not um, officiated a Big East game, so they're going to be struck by you know the, the, how how hard these kids are banging compared to what you're seeing in the Pac-10 or whatever it was at the time. Um, that's a great point because yes, sometimes you all of a sudden these refs have never seen this team play, or at least they haven't officiated a game, and so it seems a little more aggressive than they're used to seeing. And all of a sudden the entire season goes out the window because you have uh, an activist referee out there taking, uh, taking his actions <laughs> against the, the, the big, I referee. mean, that really would be, that is kind of how it would feel though. That's a great one. I'll say this. I'm well, and I mean, look, I mean, obviously like not, you know, most of these guys are just in over their heads. They're not bad people, but like when you really do a deep dive into the Donaghy stuff, it's like just, you know, getting teams into the penalty if you just bet the over, you just want that clock stopped and points being scored. So call a certain number of nickel and dime fouls early on, and and you're gonna get you're gonna get that number up. Um, I am gonna say something nice about NBA referees, only in comparison to college referees. But but like this will be this will be a one and done. That one nice thing I say about NBA refs, people get very upset about the late whistles in the NBA, but they're actually making sure it affected the play which should be should be the barometer right it's like did it affect the play did that contact affect the play so you see it all the time guy goes up for a layup ball rolls off the rim whistle two free throws and they're like yeah if you make it i'm not giving you an n1 it was kind of an in-between amount of contact college refs feel like they have to call Every time the molecules touch each other, there needs to be an, a whistle. So everything gets called and that, you know, and you just you just end up with a lot of double bonus down the stretch, uh, which I think everyone can agree is not uh, not fun to watch. There's a weird I, I mean, listen, 
I, I've been watching a little bit more college basketball in the last month or six weeks than I did in the in the previous couple of years. It it occurs to me that the refs are more parochial than they were since last. I was really watching a ton of college basketball. It's very strange. Like, eh, all right, he's a student athlete, and I'm trying to. I'm not just trying to make him a better basketball player. I'm trying to make him a better human. Just call the fouls or not, referee. I don't. We we don't need you. You know, wave the guy out of the and I've said it before and I'll say it again. What kind of human being decides when they grow up that they want to be a referee? Zero people. Nobody wants that. It's a fallback. And so this means by almost by definition, you have a chip on your shoulder. You're resentful of the guys who you're officiating because why would you become an official if it weren't your backup plan to being one of the players? And so I think that it creates a weird tension from from the jump, the literal jump ball. Well, Shaq, you'll, you'll appreciate You'll appreciate this story. Uh, you know, this is uh, this is a, you know, this this podcast is a bit of a confessional, right? I mean, this is when we we yes, bear our souls exactly to one it's... another, right? Yes. You know? And so, um, speaking of people who decided to be refs, uh, right around the time when I was berating you a couple times a week on the Blue Top, uh, of course, I was also playing in multiple men's leagues throughout Los Angeles. Um, because you know, basically, I was a. It was a full makes it time sound like we weren't job. a men's league. We were men. We were men. <laughs> well, men. a couple. I'm, of all right, I'm men. a guy. I'm more of a guy, uh, but I mean, so there, there were some men out there. Chris Baum and Ray Oldhofer were men when they were 11 years old. Um, so, <laughs> so, I was playing in this men's league, and uh, and the refereeing. You know, you get the refs are getting 25 bucks a game. You know, and and you'd think I could I could cut them some slack, but of course, of course not. I'm I'm riding them the whole game. But my low point, my <laughs> low point, you know, we were talking about uh, a Jesus Christ earlier. My my Garden of Gethsemane, my low point, a uh, 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 dark night of the soul, <laughs> where I I questioned my faith, was when uh, I was yelling at a referee to to the point where he teed me up. Now, now this referee's court coverage. <laughs> this referee's court coverage was limited. He just kind of went up and down the sideline because he was in a wheelchair. <laughs> so he's in a wheelchair. <laughs> he's, he's, you know, he's doing his best to not. He can't be on the court. Obviously, he can't be on the court. Because he's in a fucking wheelchair, and I'm yelling at him for being out of position. Come on, man! You couldn't see that. You couldn't see that call on the weak side. You're way over here, you know, from as, the top rope. Move over, Woody Allen, Myers, Leonard, Coach K, um, and the Queen. As he hedges the worst person, up. I'm I'm definitely the worst person. But as he's teeing me up from his wheelchair, I'm like. I'm, I'm like, man, maybe I got to pick my battles. You know, maybe, maybe my temper. I don't know if this, I, I don't know. I think I'm right in terms of the call. I think it was a bad call, but maybe in the bigger picture, I, maybe I'm the lesser man here. This guy's rolling up and down the sideline doing his best. And, uh, you know, and, and maybe I could cut him some slack. Anyway, that was, that was, uh, that was my my low moment where I really oh, and I turned man. it around and I've never and I've never yelled at a ref or teammate since. 
I once, uh, if we're talking about officiating, I once um, was at uh, Soldier Field in front of a game about 45 minutes before kickoff a few years ago. And um, and Ed Hockley was the lead official that day. And as he was oh, yeah. running off the field into the bowels of the stadium to rest up before uh, before kickoff, as he went by me, I took a, a dollar bill and, and stuck it between betwixt the uh, index and middle finger. And I showed him the dollar bill and I say, hey, I said, hey, ref, let's make sure the home team has a good day today like that. And he stopped and he laid into me. But good. He said, I don't know what you think you're doing. Maybe. Is that supposed to be funny? Because it's not funny. That's not a funny thing to do. And then he turned and ran away, like took a few steps. Then he stopped yelled at me some more, then ran off into a locker room. And I was shooting. We, we, we were shooting all of this. And the producer uh, was like, all right, well, let's keep going. Let's uh, go do some other stuff. And I said, I think we better stay here. I, I, I suspect that uh, I've just caused a real problem here. And I think I'm about to get into trouble. Sure enough, two large men in NFL Blazers um, emerge and they and they approach me and they say, uh, who are you with, sir? Who are you, who are you with? Um I'm with the NFL. <laughs> said, well, well, Mr. Hockley, Mr. Hockley is very upset with uh, with what you just did, and I, and I went into, I mean, for real. I thought, well, I'm, uh, that's it. I'm going to get canned. I'm going to get shamed. I'm going to be removed from Soldier Field for trying to bribe the the referee. And I said, please. And then I remembered, like, just make sure that Hockley knows it was a $1 bill. I think that's my best defense. Clearly it was a joke, <laughs> but I please let him know I have children and I can't. <laughs> I, and for 20 minutes, it was the longest 20 minutes I ever had because then they went back and they're writing my name down as though they're, uh, as though they're playing close coppers with their little flip, uh, a little uh, index writing down all my information. And they went back and 20 minutes later, they came back and they said, all right, uh, Mr. Hockley is willing to let this go, but he really asks that you not that that, that was in uh, uh, that was a bad idea. To, I, I mean, it was the worst. But anyway, see, there's a you, you're to lucky. Be a you're lucky, Shaq. You didn't you didn't try to do that little bit of comedy with Kirk Triplett. He would have blinded you in one eye. <laughs> well, Hockley, if I guess he wanted to, could have worked me over, but good himself. Oh, my God, yeah, Hockley. He wouldn't even need guns. foreign objects. He would just beat me up. Um, all right, I think we've said more. Oh, wait, I didn't say what my uh, my punch-up is. I've said it before, though, and I, I can uh, do it quickly, which is I know it's fun. I know everybody likes upsets, but it's diminishing returns when you start getting those upsets because the 11 seed – that knocks off some powerhouse team is not going to end up winning the title. So now you've taken right. away a juggernaut team to get to the, to get to the final four and it diminishes the quality of these games. And what I ultimately want to see as somebody who is a, who believes in a meritocracy, I want to see the teams that over 35 games have proven that they're the best teams in the country go head to head I say adopt the college baseball rules and go double elimination. Get the eight or 16 best teams and make them play each other repeatedly. And you don't go out just because you get into foul trouble because of an activist rest in one 40-minute stretch there. Or you, or you, or you fall to uh, some unknown kid who happens to have a hot hand from three on a given afternoon. 
You have to go out twice. This will favor the actual great teams, and this will make for a high-quality well, first weekend in April. Not just March Madness. I'm looking ahead. I, uh, I thought about that idea, but I didn't pitch it for punch-up, you know, because it's terrible. Because it's terrible. <laughs> the, reason, the reason we like March Madness is because it's one and done, right? We have our best of sevens, and – so, yeah, all those shocking 215 upsets, those teams are just going to get routed in the next two games if it's double elimination. So, you know, it's, it's either or. You either like the one and done or you don't. And what's magical about the March Madness is, you know, it is still going to be a high seed that's going to win the whole thing, but they're the high seed that didn't take a night off, you know, against, against the 15 seed. Uh, so, so you're... Your punch-up, by the way, Sheck, you know, you don't leave a table read that, that needs punch-up and go, you know what we got to do? We got to make this script longer. We got to make it longer. <laughs> so what you're pitching is like, okay, each round can take three games? It's insane. We'll, we'll crown the champion no, in August. Fine. I don't care. Well, you know what? Call me a snob. I don't care. We, we don't need 68 teams to settle all hash. What, I mean, what are we doing? With, I'll with, call with you a snob. Listen. Why are, we, why are we putting, why are we, what do we need the six best team from, from the Big Ten to settle this? So that's ridiculous. I, hey, believe me. Hey. I, I like the NHL playoffs, but what if, well, I like the way this, the structure of the NHL this year. What if we just said, like, ah, I know, but the Rangers. They're they're not relevant in that conference, given the teams ahead of them. But they're still pretty. Put them in. Put them in anyway. I mean, it's a, at some point I'll we have to have a minimum snob. standard. What are we doing? I can't call you a snob. I'm too busy calling you an idiot. <laughs> what, what, <laughs> what, we're gonna make every round of the tournament's gonna be two out of three. Oh my god, that is the worst. I hope that the is Rangers down. I We're hope you get, end get zero points down. against. I hope you get. Uh, yeah. I hope uh, the My, bread man punches uh, punches uh, your guys in the face all weekend long, and you get zero points I, and get I, shamed. Uh, I must. I haven't. I haven't been this upset with someone since the differently abled referee whistled me for a touchdown <laughs> on the opposite baseline. What oh my god! Great, that's a bad idea. What a horrible person you are. That is now. a terrible idea, Sheck. All right, way to end on a high note. Let's make every round of the tournament last uh, days like? and days you- and days. Check on spring madness. What do we need? All what do we need? All these teams in there. The more it saturates the. And by the way, there's not that big a difference anymore between the best and and the pretty good. And so. Upsets are great when they happen rarely. When every game is more or less a coin flip, then it loses its allure. An upset, a Cinderella story, when you know going into the game, I know that this team was the third best in this power conference. But you know what? That mid uh, uh, that mid level conference team that I don't know anything about, but their their kids uh, a great shooter from the perimeter. They could win this game, and then they, more often than not, they are they are in those games more than they were twenty years ago. That is also a factor in all of this. With all the one and dones and everything, everybody's kind of the same. Listen, the teams that do it over thirty or thirty five games deserve a more decided advantage than what they're getting. They have to they have to play these like I say these uh, these middle class teams. Fat. 
Well, that's actually a good, that's going to tee up. That'll be a nice uh, tee up for next week's. Cause I, I do think um, there is a, an interesting calculus that's happening in basketball between the one and done teams and the guys who've played together for a while. And that is, that is the, right. the where the upsets are coming. Right. So we'll, we'll talk right. about that next week as we, as we ramp up for the tournament. All right, you go punch up some scripts and do whatever the hell else you're going to do. Go, please, please be nice to. <laughs> now we have to track I'm down that referee. Man. I don't know how we're going to do I'm it. I don't know how we're going to track him down. He changed man. Spaghetti, get oh, God, on. All right, you know what? All right, great stuff, Kevin Hench. Make sure you're following him on social media and otherwise. Excellent turn as always. Three in, Hench. Are you enjoying yourself? Oh, it's the time of my life. It's really, it's the, it's the. The 90 minutes uh, with our with our pregame kibitz that I uh, I look forward to the most they're in my week. Of course, I love you guys. This is incredible. Excellent. I don't think we're going to do time. it much longer after some of our thoughts on uh, the auteur, Mr. Allen. But uh, you know, it was a good run. It was a good run. Much like Johnny Damon, we had a good run. Forget about Woody Allen. You went after uh, you went after Jesus. Um, <laughs> I said he was taking it a too chair. soon. For my sins. All right. For my sins, not for yours. All right. There goes Kevin Hench up the Sunset Strip. And now here comes some hot hockey talk. The weekly uh, review and preview of the best division in sports, the Mass Mutual Division. Here comes Spaghetti and Meatballs. Welcome back, folks. Another edition of Spaghetti and Meatballs. Eddie Spaghetti here with Mikey Meatballs uh, going to the name Captain Lee today. And for those, we'll share a screenshot of it uh, before the weekend begins. But you are wearing a Los Angeles Kings reverse retro, the purple sweater. Uh, you got no name in the back there. man. you, you, you keep it up with the, the awesome uh, hockey attire uh, week in, week out. Yes, sir. Um you know, if if anyone out there finds any jerseys and they want to donate them to me, I will gladly take them. Just uh, let me know. Uh, I'll try to keep the streak going for as long as I can with all my jerseys. What's funny is I, I was just telling you off air, but I ordered three. I'm trying to get as many of like the player jerseys as possible. And I and I got a couple. I got uh, Keandre Miller, Mika Zibanejad, and, and Adam Fox on the Rangers. And for some reason, NHL.com, they shit them to me and they smell like vinegar. I have to like wash them before I can wear them. But um, anyway, no one cares about my wardrobe. So let's get into the hockey talk, shall we? Let's start here with our third star of the week. And uh, Meatballs, I want you to go first. Share what your third star is because I think I have a pretty good follow-up for it. Yeah, so I have some Islanders odds. I guess um, I'll start with the game tonight. Uh, well, next three games, really. So Ryan Pulak has not scored a goal yet this season. So I have a feeling he's due against the Devils. That's um, I think it could happen over the next three games. Over half a goal for him is plus 580 right now. So if you got five, ten bucks to spare, you want to uh, you want to try it. I, I say that's that's worthy. And then also Matt Barzell over half an assist plus one hundred four. I would say if it doesn't hit tonight, you double up on it tomorrow, or the next game doesn't hit then, you triple up on it on the third game. And if he does not have an assist in three games against the Devils, I will buy you, Dave and Hench, a New Jersey Devils reverse retro jersey. All three of you. 
All right, Beautiful. So that, thank, a, thank you so much. That's guaranteed. At least one over the next three games. I don't see it. I don't see it not happening. But um, also another line I like is the sixty-minute line for the New York Islanders is minus one thirty-five. Uh, much better than their game line, which I think they're up over minus two hundred. So, you know, you take them sixty minutes. Hopefully, they get it done, and it, you, you get uh, you get much much better odds for that. But um, to get to the bigger stuff, the Islanders are plus two hundred to win the East right now which I do like and I, which I like even better is their cup odds are 13 to one. Uh, I think they're probably fourth or fifth and they're tied with the Bruins for the same odds. So I think there's really good value there, especially the way they play, you know, that playoff type of a game, every game. So I, I think they'll be ready when it comes down to it. Um, so, and, and I think, I think it's a bet you should place whether you're a fan or not. It's uh, it's definitely intriguing. Right, and I'm glad you brought that up because it is pretty crazy, as you said, 13 to 1 uh, on fanduelcom slash minus 3. And the same thing, like you said, for the Bru- uh, Bruins plus 1,300. The Bruins are what now? I believe as of the time it's recording Thursday morning, they're, they're like six points behind the Islanders. I think they're in fourth place right now in the Mass Mutual. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Flyers are close with them with uh, their plus 1,700 for, for cup odds in the Mass Mutual teams here. And uh, I wanted you to bring yours up first because now the Bruins are maybe they're dropping a bit. They're sliding a tiny bit here. Their GM, Don Sweeney, says, listen, we're going to be buyers of the deadline. Well, I mean, no duh. Of course, they're going to be buyers of the, de- the deadline. But they want to add some offense because they have not been scoring as much as of late. Um, the Bruins are a team we trust on the, the blue line, always have for the, seemingly the past 10, you know, 10 years or so, and with two Garask and Ned. But they have not been scoring as as much if there was a, a chance at an ECF between your Islanders and the Bruins right now, tell our, the gamblers, tell the listeners why you still think the Islanders are the, the, the bet to make there instead of taking the Bruins at 1300. Well, so the only thing I, I think the Islanders, they've been getting killed by the Bruins. That was always a team they cannot beat the past few years. It's the only team you're really scared of in the East division, but it seems things are changing a little bit. Um, I think Trotz has finally figured it out. And I think some of the Islander players are finally realizing like they got, you know, we got over the hump. Now we we can do it. We can just beat this team. We just got a player style. You know, both teams play a, a playoff type game and it's always a playoff type atmosphere when they play each other. So I think, you know, the only thing that would worry me is that if the Islanders, you know, go six and two against them during the year and, you know, they, they kind of run out of luck by the time the playoffs come and they, they, uh, the Bruins start to take their wins and the stuff evens out. But I, I, I do think, you know, with their style of play, Trotz will figure Trotz hasn't figured out a little bit more now. And by the time the playoffs come around, I, I hope they can continue it. And, you know, some of the, the players will, uh, will start to really, you know, just hammer pucks into the net. And, it, and it's more of that, uh, you know, they'll, they'll just keep, what I'm trying to say is they'll, they'll keep on their style of play and hopefully the Bruins can't do anything against it. Yeah, I mean, you got to hand it to Trotz. Yeah, I believe right now he's third in wins uh, like all time for for coaches. He's climbed up the list. I mean, uh, kudos to him, the Islanders, as much as that pains me to say this. But uh, now let's transition to our second star of the week. Some great news if you're a Blue Shirts fan like myself. You got a couple returns coming here. The the, the bigger one, uh, Artemi Panarin, returning from his absence um, due to Putin, due to these false allegations. 
uh, he's back. The Rangers' best player is back. Everyone on the team is super pumped he's back, and it could not come at a better time because obviously they dropped games to the to the, the the Penguins, and now they have tough games versus the Bruins. Now, as of this recording, again, unsure if he will be playing. He um, is practicing. Quinn has said he has to get back in, in you know, game shape. He has not really been in the rink uh, all that much since he took his absence, so unsure when he will return. That has not been said as of yet. Obviously, all these uh, NHL clubs play things super close to the vest. Um, and then the other really good bit of news quickly um tractor in the uh, good old continental hockey league uh one of the best players in the whole khl vitaly crafts rangers prospect uh, his team just lost and they were eliminated from playoff contention so everyone that covers the rangers is pretty much predicting with between 10 to 14 days due to COVID protocols and travel and such he will be joining the rangers which would be amazing uh, because they could always use some extra firepower. And uh, he's, you know, like I said, one of the top highly touted uh, prospects in their system. So to get back both these guys, these two Russians who could score, it's going to be great. And, uh, you know, we don't have to spend too much time in this, but these are games, you know, if the Rangers want to stay in the mix, they're, I believe, in six right now. Uh, you got to get you got to get some points here from the Bruins. And I mentioned it on the minus three pod, their goal differential is only one. So the Rangers have been right there with the Bruins. The games have been close. Um, mostly. So it's, you know, it's going to probably be a low scoring affair with, with Tuka Rask and Ned and obviously, you know, the, the Bruins defense, but uh, adding firepower to a really good lockdown team with the Bruins is a really good sign right now going forward for the Rangers. Yeah, I, uh, I definitely agree on that. I, I kind of hope the, um, the Rangers win in these meetings. I think the farther, the farther the Bruins yeah. get out of the fourth place spot or third place spot, wherever that's uh, it's better for the Islanders and, um, it's better for whoever else is in there too. Cause I, I like I said, I, even though I think the Islanders can still beat them, they're definitely a team. You, you, no matter who you are, you don't really want to play in the playoffs. Totally. All right. Moving on to our first star of the week. And, you know, we've been doing this thing for plenty of weeks now. We've been talking about hockey all the time on minus three. So I got to give a lot of credit to to Dave and, and Hench. And, you know, we've been pushing and saying this is a great time to watch hockey. You got to be you, you got to be tuning in now because it's so fun. All these rivalry games. And then, uh, you know, what I think is some of the best news you could hear. It's coming to ESPN. Now, I don't know about you. Uh, it's ESPN is one of those channels, especially growing up as a kid, you, you just automatically put it on. If you love sports, you just put yeah. it on ESPN. You you watch Sports Center twenty five times in a row. But mm-hmm. I, obviously, as of late, with NHL being on the uh, the NBC and NBC affiliates, you don't you don't see as much coverage now. And I know some people want to push it on ESPN. They have Steve Levy and, and Butcher Gross and even SVP does. I believe SVP last night let off his Sports Center with uh, some Oiler stuff, which is great. But ESPN now, t- you know, being the NHL's uh, channel is it's amazing. The cup game is going to be on ABC now. Way more exposure. Uh, like I said, it cannot be a better time for you to start watching hockey. I personally love these rivalry games. I know you do, too. And the league is in great hands that arguably the second best player in the whole NHL is an American born player in Austin Matthews. You have a young superstars like McDavid and Dreisaitl. There's a lot of fun things going on right now. I, I mean, it's. It's uh, it's I cannot say how great this is. Uh, more people get NHL into more households in America. Just it's going to be great. Once you see some highlights of what's going on, you're going to be hooked in. And it really is just, you know, clap all around for what, what they have accomplished here. This is this is great news. Yeah, I definitely agree. I think it's ABC, I think, has uh, four Stanley Cup finals over the next seven years. Um, mm-hmm. And then they have 75 exclusive uh, telecasts per season. And the NHL is also getting, I think it's between two and two, 
0.25 billion over the seven years. So that's good. That's good for the NHL. And as someone who has ESPN plus and, you know, we'll watch a random uh, coyotes versus ducks game on a, on a Tuesday night. It's definitely good for someone like me because I'll watch any hockey. game. It doesn't matter. Sure. So, exactly. You know, I'm definitely looking forward to it. And I'll, and we'll get end on this. Like I, they've done a great job, ESPN and ABC, the the Disney Corporation, of promoting the NBA. Like the NBA was their deal they made a couple years mm-hmm. back. And you could look at the NBA, go top to bottom through like the the superstars. The the twenty twenty fifth best player is essentially an international superstar. They're, they're they're so recognizable. They've created these megastars, and you know you hope that the same thing happens for the NHL. Now they're on ESPN. They're going to push the you know the the game and and show everyone how great this is, how cool the outdoor games are, how great these rivalry games are, how intense the playoff series are. So it, there's so many young stars. There's so many good American teams that I think does matter a lot. It's it's gonna be it's it's awesome and when I saw that news happen, I mean it was it, I was jumping for joy because the NHL is just so damn good right now and it should be uh, pushed as much as it can. Yeah, if you like sports, there is no reason you wouldn't like hockey. Like, if you never watch it, like there's no reason, especially when it comes. I know everyone likes playoff hockey, but um, with these divisions too, I, I it's every game is like a playoff game. Every Absolutely. game matters so much, and I don't know if the divisions will stick around, but. I, I expect the intensity carry over from season to season now, especially with all these highly broadcast games. I mean, Islanders, Rangers on ESPN or ABC, that's going to be great. All right, good stuff there, spaghetti and meatballs. Uh, hey, real quick, um, I know Spaghetti heard the conversation with Josh Yowie from The Athletic on all things uh, this division. Real quick, uh, meatballs, what are your win play show uniforms? I went flyers, orange sweaters in the win spot. I went with uh, the Sabres white sweaters in the play spot and the one you're wearing right now, the Los Angeles Kings in the show spot. All due respect to Minnesota's all uniforms. The Penguins look grand and they're all blacks. uh, But uh, but that's my list. How say you? Well, I'm going to go the. I'm going to say the wild are, are definitely my one. Uh, I think they do look the cleanest. Um, let's see. I think my two. Great color scheme. I don't like the logo, though. Yeah, I, I could see that. Um, I think my two would probably be. I do like Calgary's a lot. The horse head. Um, Ooh, very nice. Oh, no, my, no, I like I like the retro white sweaters. Those those look just marvelous. Just marvelous. Yeah, I'm I'm a fan of the uh the uh the blasty the uh the horse head for uh Calgary. And I, I think third and I know I know you don't like it, but I do like Arizona Coyotes reverse retro, the purple. I mean because the it's colors ugly. are good, but it's no I just think what? the whole the Sound whole logo logic, it's, all, it's all ridiculous and I think it's great. I mean, I, I obviously I wildly disagree. Spaghetti, how say you? I I won't I won't be a homer and put the Rangers white, uh, the old school Statue of Liberty. I love that one. Um, you know, another honorable mention, as simple as it gets, and it's old school is the Chicago Blackhawks, the the red one. But I'll go. I'll start with my uh, my show, and I'll I was gonna say Calgary, the the flaming sea, the red ones. I I mean, on the ice, those look great. Um, my place, I'm going to go, Hmm. 
Well, it's between the Devils red and green for sure. And then I would say, oh, man, this is so tough. I would say the wild I like as well. And I feel like I'm ripping off of Meatball's answers. But the the wild green with the tan when it says Minnesota in the script across, I just like the way that looks. So I'll put that. I'll put the Minnesota as the show. And I'll and I'll give the Devils to Sean Lana Homer. The Devils, the red and green. Uh, the combo with the pants on the ice is is awesome. I love how the stripes go in different directions too. So I, I would say those are my, my top three. I know pe- people say make it like a joke about how it's too Christmassy, but that dark green and that dark red, whether it's, it's on great. the Devils or the Wild, it's great. But I assume Meatballs was talking about the retro Minnesota North Stars look yeah. that Minnesota broke out, yeah, which was definitely. the green and the gold. Oh, those are heavenly yeah. too. No, I mean, it's it's it really is of all the of our four major sports leagues. I think the NHL has the highest percentage of good uniforms going right now too yet another reason to watch and uh and thus ends another gangbusters episode of minus three again go back and listen to the one with josh yoey from earlier in the week some great talk about uh, alex ovechkin where he sits in um potentially in hockey history and how this division is going to break the rest of the way there um hench uh dynamite as always spaghetti and meatballs kudos to you two have a great sports weekend enjoy the conference basketball tournaments and enjoy joe lenardi getting his 15 minutes every week and then we're going to talk to him on monday on extra points me and cousin sal a guy who has turned four minutes of work into a full-time job again I admire it, I think, but I'm also resentful of it. Either way, we'll get into that with him, and uh, we'll have uh, some more Minus 3 coming at you next week. So until then, for Spaghetti, Meatballs, and Hench, thanks so much, sports fans. It's been a thin slice of heaven. <laughs>